Welcome to an all new episode of Connection to Experience. I'm your host, Penny Conway, and today we are talking about technology and education. EdTech is not just an option, it's actually essential now, says most teachers and administrators. The very design of a classroom that includes technology can impact a student's academic progress by 25%. I'm joined today by Brett Hurley from ViewSonic to talk about how their solutions are affecting teaching and learning in the classroom. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Penny. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, excited to talk about K through 12 and what ViewSonic has going on um, in the K through 12 space. But before we get into all of that, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience and really what brings you to the podcast today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Brett Hurley and I manage our connection relationship for ViewSonic. And so uh, when I was presented with the opportunity to uh, do something a little outside the box like this podcast, uh, we jumped at it. Awesome. So one thing um, I usually say in a lot of our podcasts that have to do with education is that I spent about three years working with schools, um, school administrators, IT directors, students themselves about really trying to figure out what you actually bring into a classroom. We saw the boom years ago of Chromebooks coming into the classroom, which was really just I think the the tipping point of now we're going to bring in displays, we're going to have digital signage, we're going to have other um, ed tech and STEM stuff, you know, across the, the classroom. But wanted to really focus with you today on that, that digital learning piece. Um, so, you know, let's talk a little bit about, we know that obviously a, a screen, uh, you know, caters to the visual. Um, but what are some other things that you're seeing among amongst educators and students about the different learning styles that students have, like outside of digital? So how they listen and learn, how they can touch and feel and learn. What are you seeing in most schools that you're talking to today? Sure. So I think it's really important to understand, first of all, how most of us today consume information. And that includes students from a very young age as children coming up and having multiple devices in front of them and really interacting with things from a very young age. And then you put them in this classroom format and it's, you know, in years past it was, okay, you're not going to interact with anything in here. Well, that's kind of stunting how they've been accustomed to doing things. And so to now put a, you know, a panel in front of them and a one-to-one device in most schools and to get them really engaged, and, and you touched on it before, how do they learn best? And, and some kids are going to learn when they read it. Some others are going to learn when they hear it, write it, interact with it, touch it, watch it. And so our technology provides all of that in one solution and really doesn't tie them down or tether them to one style of learning. And so you, you can touch each student almost with how do you tap into what they respond to. Mm-hmm. And you and I were talking, you know, before we when we were getting ready and or preparing for this episode, that the way kids brains work now and, and maybe they always worked this way. But can you know how you can teach a kid a language and they'll pick it up faster and they can be more fluent and they'll know that language for a lifetime. But you try to teach an adult 
and the process is a little bit slower. I actually tried to self-teach myself Spanish once, not with Rosetta Stone. It didn't, I don't speak Spanish, so it didn't go very well. Um, but we were saying that we both have, you know, two and a half year olds that we watch them with a piece of technology and are amazed how they know what to touch on a screen in order to do the thing they want to do or know the thing that they need to know. That translates into a classroom naturally is that we've we've put kids onto laptops, which is catering to a whole new need. But now there's this vast world of technology opening up. So as more and more kids, uh, we're kind of tapping into that ability for them to navigate screens better. Um, and that comes down to designing a classroom. So, I mean, what does a traditional classroom look like to me and you? Right. So a traditional classroom in, in the in the sense of it is, you know, you have a blackboard, the teacher's at the front of the room, the class is all facing forward. They're in rows and lines and staring dead ahead and learning as the teacher presents. And today, you know, with the devices in front of them and with what we bring to the table is if you want to mount our product to the wall, you certainly can. But we also have carts that you can now maneuver around the room. So maybe a teacher one day wants to, you know, present from the back or put it in the middle of the room and, and make that traditional classroom a little more of a fun learning environment, depending on the age or, or the situation. They have that ability. So they're not, again, tethered to the front of the room. They have that they can walk around and interact more with their students in a one-on-one basis because that blackboard, that traditional blackboard or whiteboard isn't up in the front. So the teachers are actually coming out now and learning how to teach from a different podium style. You know, the other thing with, with our panels, you mentioned how do students learn? I think it's important. Uh, all our panels are ADA compliant and so are our stands and the, the stand, you know, when you have a circumstance where a, a child may be wheelchair bound or, you know, a, a teacher may be wheelchair bound mm-hmm. or, or physically limited. We have the ability to tilt those panels down over them, turn them, you know, the other way and tilt them backwards. So those students that maybe feel like they're not included because of, of a limitation are now able to participate with the rest of their classmates. And so it, it really does get every student more engaged by having, you know, this interactive piece in their classroom. You know, I like how you put that because I, I think that's something that we all maybe when we look at the bigger picture, we're not thinking of those small differences. You know, I said in the intro that uh, uh, the classroom design can affect academic process, um, you know, by 25%, be it positively or negatively. And, you know, I sometimes think that that classroom design means, oh, I've got a maker space over here in this corner and I've got, you know, a learning space in this corner and then like a reading nook. Like I see it as this really elaborate thing, but something as simple as just being able to access a screen. If you are, you know, wheel, if you are in a wheelchair, you have another physical limitation that small fundamental piece of just being able to access a piece of technology could dramatically affect your ability to learn as a student or teach as a teacher. And so I think we overcomplicate that sometimes when we're talking about classroom design. You touched on it. I mean, it's a, it's a really valid point. Um, we, we had a teacher at a school recently who was wheelchair bound and, and they bought a panel and they bought one of the stands that is able to tilt and be wheeled around and it's all, you know, controlled with buttons on the panel. And so for that teacher who in, in, you know, another area of his life wouldn't be able to push that or pull that. I mean, he can control that without, without help. So it's a freeing experience for him. And, you know, it doesn't hold back from, you know, the students, you know, being able to use the technology either when they're in his classroom. And so it was a perfect fit for him. 
And I think when you talk about the the classroom design, you now have the ability, our, our software, um, which is called My Viewboard, you have the ability to break the students up into groups within the software. So I could assign basically Penny and, you know, four of Penny's friends into group one, and then I could take Rob and five of Rob's friends and make them group two. And you could continuously do that within our software, and then uh, you can assign things for them to, to do as, a, as an mm. activity, and then you could share theirs with the with the entire group up on the on the panel with the entire class. So it kind of takes that I'm thinking back to my own days at school where you would you'd work on something as a group and then you would just go stand up in front of the group very blindly with no um, just the information that's in your head that you talked about as a group but now you've got all these people facing you and there's no visualization around what you've talked about maybe um, you know now in a classroom you can look for pictures and work on this project and actually in real time give information to your other, you know, to your peers that in another lifetime, you would have just sounded like the teacher from Charlie Brown, the mm. womp, 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 like, oh great, another person just standing up and talking to me. Right, so where, you know, I I would have to print something out and bring it in, hold it up, right. and people are, what's that? You know, now it's, you know, it's being projected or, or put on one of these very large screens so everybody in the classroom can see it. And the other thing that our technology provides within our software is it's it, the touchback. Um, so if you're on page 15 of a book and you're the teacher and you want to scroll to page 10 because uh, there was a, a passage in there that you wanted to touch on, you do that on the panel and all the devices that are in a one-to-one -one scenario with our panel, they also scroll right at the student's desk. And oh, so wow. it scrolls right in front of them. Um, so everybody pays attention and can follow along that way instead of having to stare up at the board. Right. Because back to the, you know, how every student learns differently and every kid has different capabilities. And so if I'm a kid sitting at my desk and no one's discovered that I can't see far away and I don't know what's going on at the blackboard, you've now solved for that just by it, it being transposed onto all those kids' screens. Right. Um, what are you, I mean, I, I think that like, like we said, uh, teachers and administrators, you know, in the eighties to 90 percentile believe that technology in the classroom is a fundamental, it's, it's now not a, it's a want, it's, it's a need for them. But, uh, you know, we, we talked about on a podcast a couple episodes ago about the difference in access between maybe rural communities and more urban communities. So. So from what you're seeing out in the field and working with schools, what are you seeing for adoption of technology in the classroom as a whole? Are you still seeing such a major difference between, you know, urban areas and more rural areas? Or are you kind of starting to see the technology even out across the board? I think we're noticing it evening out. So I think it comes down to the, the leadership within that school and, you know, the desire to essentially future-proof your classroom mm -hmm. at this point. And so, you know, I, yeah, I mean, we work with schools in the, in the inner city and we work with schools, you know, who are in the out in the country and, and they seem to fundamentally have the same goals in front of them. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to cast, they want to be able to record, um, and, and they want to be able to have, you know, that interaction with their students because whether you're, you know, an inner city kid or, you know, somebody raised out in the country, it's still 2020, right? right? It's still you're coming of age as a kid with, with technology almost forced upon you, right? There's not, it's hard to escape it. And so it's just easily adaptable. It's something that's familiar for them. 
And when they step into a classroom, it's almost easier for them to engage because it's so normalized. Mm -hmm. I like that term that you use future proofing a classroom, like getting now, uh, now is we say it all the time, like the future is now. Um, so what are looking at, you know, the larger ed tech picture, you've got a number of stakeholders that are involved in this decision process. You have it themselves that of course have to procure and, and manage devices, whatever is brought in. You have teachers who are actually the ones that need to adopt the technology and often are the ones, you know, uh, positioning for new technology because it, it's, they know their students best and they know what's going to work best. And then finally, you know, students, I think we've already covered that, you know, you've got different students with different learning styles, what's helping them, what's hurting them. Um, but what are you uh, uh, looking at it from the, the IT side, uh, what kind of factors are going into their decision to bring in new technology? So I think the overwhelming factor is just the, how everybody consumes things. And so knowing that the students are consuming things by YouTube is a huge tool for, for them to use uh, in the classroom. And so the ability to easily throw a video up and not have to spend time plugging things in and jostling with different pieces of technology that aren't part of the core everyday use package within a within a classroom that sucks up time that they could be you know using to teach and they could be interacting with their students and so to have that that technology that everything comes back to the board at the panel on the wall whether you're doing something as simple as reading a story or watching a video or sharing the screen it all centralizes around that and then it, it, you know unfortunately in today's day and age where we're looking at you know specifically right now where schools are closing across the world, you know, because of, you know, a virus or, or other things that are out of their control. It's software like the ones we provide that are allowing them to be able to cohesively learn from home. Mm -hmm. And so. So facilitating the e-learning the e part of it. So the technology can be in the classroom, it can live in the classroom, but it's also facilitating the remote learning should that need to happen. Kids are going to be very disappointed one day that there's going to be no such thing as a snow day. Right. Like yeah. in, in <laughs> I, within our lifetime, I think that we will see like right now, what do they call them? The blizzard bags. But technology is moving at a rate where you're going to have school districts that are like, okay, well, there's snow, you, you can't get to school, but we can still teach you. Um, what a sad, sad day that's going to be for right. kids. <laughs> I mean, think about it when, and I just missed this, thankfully, but uh, there was a day where, you know, as a student, you walked home and you, you had your report card either in the mailbox or you handed it to your parents. Right. And, you know, now a parent can log in and in real time, hey, why didn't you turn in your homework last night? Why did you get a C on this test? What happened? I mean, it's all live. And I don't think 30 years ago, people thought that that was going to be something. And no. so I think you hit the nail on the head as technology continues to improve and evolve. Yeah. We're, we're going to see, you know, students learning from home and touch on that. If you're a student and you miss school today, when you're, when you have a ViewSonic ecosystem in that school, you have the ability to record with audio and send out the entire lesson to that student. So if you're a student that learns from watching or participating, we have that ability now for that teacher to record their entire social studies class or mm -hmm. history class, whatever it may be, and send that home to the student. Oh, wow. While they're 
you know, absent for whatever yeah. reason. Or even students that are in the class and they, it, I remember so many times sitting in school and listening to the teacher and I'm, I'm someone that kind of, I can hear something once and retain, I'm sure many people are like this and retain a piece of it, but then going back and studying for an exam or trying to kind of pinpoint Oh, what was, I think he mentioned something about, you know, this war or that piece of history, but I, you know, now I'm thumbing through a book. It can just be an asset for your students in general of let me go back to Mrs. Meyer's history class on March 3rd and rehear what she said because my notes were bad or I can't, God forbid, I can't read my own notes, which happens to all of us. Um, so it's, you know, not just for remote students, it, it could be catering to an existing need that, again, you might not even know exists in your classroom until you offer the solution. So it takes us right back to how do you learn best? Mm -hmm. And you're right. So students who learn by repetitiveness or watching something over and over again, like math, like, if you have a complicated algebra calculus problem and watching the teacher do it and you trying to follow along, you're, you're maybe not hearing what the teacher's saying right. because you're scribbling so fast and trying to keep up. But the ability to go home and watch that and rewind that or stay on a certain part of that problem until you learn it and decide to move on is pretty powerful. Right. And that's how we're seeing, you know, we saw see the emergence of YouTube and TikTok and Snapchat and all these video capabil video and audio capabilities that are captivating a generation and generations to come. It only makes sense that we translate that into what we're doing with teaching. Yep. And so you brought up YouTube and so I'll touch on this because I think this is a, a really valid point that, that most teachers bring up to us is we love YouTube. It's a really great tool, but the advertisements are, are something that right. as an 11th grader might, you know, they might not even notice it, but as a second grader, it's inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Right. And so within our technology, we've actually put blinders on YouTube. So when you open YouTube, which we've built into the my view board ecosystem, it, there is no advertisements. There's no ads in the front. There's no ads behind it. Just from it running through the panel. Yeah. From it running so you, through the software, through the software Yeah, on the panel. Yep. So, oh, interesting. Yes, so they don't have to have additional blockers, a YouTube premium subscription or any of those things. It's all built through the software. So just with the advertisements, okay. the content can still yeah, be searched, yeah. but the advertisements are, are gone. We've, we've removed them and that was direct feedback from teachers. Oh, wow. And so we've, we listen to, you know, the people who are in partnerships with us mm -hmm. and provide that feedback. You know, we have a really strong team of, you know, over 30 people, I want to say on the software side that just focus on improvement. I think that's so important. And that, you know, again, until it, it existed, I don't think that there was a, a, a need for it. Um, you had, you know, teachers consulting on maybe curriculum development and things like that. But when technology came on the scene, it was sort of, here's a laptop, here's a display, here's a projector. Um, and there wasn't any direct feedback from educators to companies that were building all of this supposedly for them. And I think just recently, and like you're saying, is you're starting to take feedback from the people who are actually using it and leveraging that community rather than saying, you know, we're a big company and we know what to do and we took a survey and this is what we're giving you. You're actively garnering feedback from the users themselves. Yeah. It's, it's been something that every month we put out updates and those updates are usually based on 
feedback from a district or a certain teacher or just whoever decides to voice, you know, where they believe something could be improved or made, made better. Now, the the other piece of bringing in uh, new technology is always the, the managing of it. So, uh, and this is where I think IT directors in a school setting, especially smaller schools, are very reluctant sometimes to bring in that new technology because it's, I spoke to a, a teacher once where we were talking about their devices and printers and things like that. And I said, well, tell me what's within your scope. What do you cover? What are you responsible for? And she said, Penny, if the toilets had a computer on them, then I would be managing the toilets. So anything that is considered technology fell in, in her responsibility. How do you position bringing in, you know, your technology into a school to an IT director that is already overwhelmed managing thousands of devices, the network that those devices live on, and all the other initiatives that a school's going on. So how do we make this not disruptive for, for an IT manager? So the second that you purchase one of our panels, um, we give you an infinite amount of licensing. And so from, from the jump, you're not being charged. It's completely free. We call it our gift education. And from there, we enroll you as an entity. And once you're an entity, it fully unlocks the total capabilities of the software. And it also allows you as the IT director or whoever you decide to put in charge of this, the ability to manage access and who's going to be able to do what. And so from a very early point in, in the partnership, you know, we, we've kind of given you that and then it expands out from there. And so the feedback from teachers and, and IT directors who are in charge of, you know, the infrastructure of a school and the technology within the campus have really been, you know, pleased with the entity enrollment process and what the capabilities they're being provided with from a ViewSonic standpoint, you know, right from day one. And what kind of, in order for a teacher to adopt, what kind of training would, uh, how do we not stress out? So now that we've made it kind of stress-free for the IT manager, how do you make it stress-free for a teacher? I think on one of our uh, most recent uh, episodes, uh, Ali Kondo with Google had had mentioned that teachers' number one stressors is integrating technology or adopting the technology put in their classroom. So how do we remove that barrier of stress when, you know, a panel goes up that they're now have so many opportunities to use, but are so frustrated just by the amount of technology in their classroom? Sure. So there's a couple of ways to answer that. So I think from a three pronged approach, uh, the first thing is, is we offer professional development. And so we have a, you know, a couple different flavors of professional development where we'll either do it over the web We'll, we'll do it uh, on site or we can do a little combination of both. And so that seems to be getting people up to speed about you know 10x faster than them doing it by themselves. With that, the second thing that we do within our software is we have a, a little question mark icon in the top right corner and you can click on it and it drops down about 50 to 70 videos. And those videos are all about 45 seconds to two minutes in length. And they're very dialed in on one specific process. Hmm. And so if you're a teacher that wants to know how do you integrate a file or open an, you know, open a certain document or use the artificial intelligence pen that we have built into the software, we have videos that are dialed in just to tell you how to do that. And so when you're when you're not in front of the panel, you can still in your own free time if you have a free period or lunch or at home, 
Teacher, can, teachers just laughed when you said in your free time. Yeah, so <laughs> not trying to slight any teachers here. Um, when they maybe don't have a classroom full of students, our software works on any device. So you can open it. You don't have to be in front of the panel to, to use our software. And so to do it at your own self-pace and to kind of, you know, crawl, walk, run, right? So get in front of the software and tackle three things that day and then the next day tackle mm-hmm. five things and, and so on and so forth. And then I think the other thing that we're seeing is maybe schools that weren't ViewSonic customers to begin with and are now migrating over. We allow the ability, and it goes both ways, but you can run our competitor's software on our panel and you can run our software on our competitor's panel. Mm. And so that teacher that maybe has a different vendor um, and they, they, you know a math teacher really likes a certain a certain uh, aspect of, of one of our competitors, that's no big, you know, we're not forcing right. anything or they you. Or they don't even know the difference. And that's the one thing that I, I think many of us where we sit, where we're providing technology, don't always think about is a teacher doesn't necessarily have a, a brand alliance. It's just the first thing that came into their classroom and that's what they know that's right. what they learned how to use. And when another one goes up, they just assume, oh, this is the same thing. And then they run into that incredible frustration of, oh, wait, this is different, a different manufacturer, which means it has a different, you know, software on it. I can't use that here. So that's a that's solving for, I think, a huge point of frustration within the classroom. So we've tried to make ourselves like as agnostic as possible, where, you know, you're not going to if you want to use any technology, you, you you basically can. If it runs on a laptop, you can run it on our panel. And so that's been really important in, in getting people to migrate. So, and on this, I'm assuming the same end on the student device, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask because more and more schools were actually seeing allow, you know, implement BYOB, BYOD, <laughs> I did it, BYOD, not BYOB. Nailed it. <laughs> Hopefully schools aren't starting BYOB practices, but many schools are are starting bring your own device and they're, you know, making their network able to support non um, school devices. And same thing there, a kid, whether they bring an iPhone or an Android or a tablet in with them, aren't going to be prohibited from using any, you know, function, any other technology function in the classroom. Correct. So we, we work in our compatible with Win 10 or Windows, uh, Mac and Android. And so really any device that that anyone's going to bring in, uh, our software will run on it. Excellent. And as we as we kind of wrap up here, I don't want to miss some of, uh, you know, the uh, the after purchase and sort of again, back to that IT manager thought process of great, I have another piece of technology, my teachers love it, my students love it. But now, you know, what happens if something breaks? What happens? What's their responsibility? Or what are their options around that? I think that really plays into who we are as a company. We're very customer centric. And so we have an onsite warranty. It comes with every panel. Uh, so if something does go wrong and we're an under 1% failure rate in the field at this point, we quality control everything twice. So when it leaves the factory, it's, it's tested. And then when it leaves our U S warehouse, it's tested. Should you be in a situation where something goes wrong? Uh, we don't ask you to take it off the wall. We don't ask you to find a pallet, find a box, ship it somewhere. We'll evaluate it. We come to you, and so we'll send somebody to you. They'll evaluate it as long as it's under the warranty. Um, if we can't fix it, then we'll replace it. I think now we heard just IT managers cheer 
across the board. Cause I, I think one thing that happens and I've seen it as I've walked through schools, you have technology in, in the classroom. Um, and it may or may not be panels, probably not ViewSonic panels. Um, if they are, but they're just, they're dead on the wall. They've got nothing running on them, whether it was supposed to be school bulletins or it was supposed to be an interactive display. And I think that's where it gets really like crunchy about, about things where they're like, oh, great, we've invested all of this money and now it's just sitting on the wall because they want me to pack it up and send mm -hmm. it back to them <laughs> after I just spent that, you know, spent hundreds of dollars getting that guy to mount it to the wall and, and hook it up to our network and all of that good stuff. Yeah. So our, our, the feedback around uh, the service level has been, has been really positive. Um, like I said, I think it starts with the customers. We have that approach from the very top down of Usonic and it, it's something that served us very well. Excellent. Well, I think that we, um, a really exciting topic all around, around uh, technology and education, really how the design of a classroom really doesn't need to be overly complicated with maker spaces and reading nooks, um, but just having accessible technology um, designed and integrated into the classroom can have significant uh, impacts to academic progress for a student. So thank you, Brett, for, for coming on and really sharing what ViewSonic is doing in this space, how they're making it easier for teachers to teach, students to learn, and IT to manage. Um, and I think uh, what's the best way for our customers to get a hold of your team and sort of start going down this path on how they can uh, look at your solution? Sure. So first and foremost, thank you for having me. And for the, you know, the connection customers out there, it's just, it's simple. It's engage your uh, connection sales rep um, and they will know that how to get a hold of me or one of my teammates, and and from there we will uh, we'll engage together, and you know try to solve you know whatever it is that we're trying to improve. Yep, excellent. Uh, so if you're out there, you can visit us at www.govconnection.com slash brand slash ViewSonic and learn um, specifically about what Brett talked about today. You can also engage your connection account manager. And on whatever platform you are listening to this podcast on, please like, share, and feel free to comment. You can also email us at podcast at connection.com. And after all that, Brett, thanks so much for coming in. Um, and I'm sure we will have uh, maybe you and your team back in the near future, hopefully. That'd be great. Yeah. Thanks so much, Penny. Excellent. Thanks.